Father God, I just thank you um, for your word and, and for who you are. And I just ask that you speak to us today and, and allow us to just learn something new about you uh, and about how you want to interact with us and, and connect with us. Uh, just speak, speak through me today and uh, just let us uh, have a good day. In Jesus' name, amen. I think there's days where like, we all hate social media. Um, and most of those days end in why, uh, for me. Um, and there, there's days where you realize that someone's only an influencer on Instagram because of no reason. Um, and, and they've never really done anything good for the world. Um, and there's days that, that the media continues to just polarize us as people um, intentionally to get clicks, um, as well as probably some other subtle uh, underlying thing that we won't get into right now. And, um, and just the realization that we don't have an opportunity to have a conversation anymore with people uh, without like just raging at them. Um, and we forget that we can disagree and still learn from each other um, or just talk about hard stuff and, and not be offended. But there are some redeeming things about Instagram. Uh, one of those things is uh, the great things that people can share their skills um, in, in just really short, simple tutorials on how to do stuff um, with a specific skill set. And, and I didn't know this, but I've been really following a few guys who, who um, have really just helped me be more efficient in cutting my hair. Um, and there's so many ways to cut it. Um, didn't know that there was a razor with 12 blades on it, but uh, I use that now, so no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's not true. I wish it was. Uh, Dollar Shave Club is a great, great value, though. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Um, but I do follow some woodworkers and, and some builders who... Um, share a ton of their, their skills and their abilities, and, and they're really interesting stuff, but it's, it's seemingly basic. Um, and some of these guys have more than 100,000 followers, and they build pole barns and review tools. Um, but they do it in the right way. Um, and it's, so this one guy, um, <clears throat> he, uh, he does kitchen and bathroom models, and and on every single one of them, he rips out the, the subfloor um, and brings it right down to the joists in order to level the whole thing. Because he primarily works in old houses, and, and it's just, it's a lot easier for him. It gives him a better finished product, which probably just helps him build value, and so he can charge more, and all that stuff. So he does that instead of having to go down to the basement, jack up the whole house so it's all level then, um, which then, if he had to do that on every single job, he probably would just lose a bunch of money and he wouldn't sell jobs. So he just does it for that single room. And he does that to be cost-effective and, and to, to set up a good place to work from. And, and it's good, but it doesn't solve the problem that the foundation's out of whack. Um, but it's better than nothing. So these builders who have big Instagram followings and, and their way of building doesn't always translate cleanly to life. Um, and, and so that's kind of where this analogy ends, I'll be honest with you. Um, but that being said, there's something to help us link this twisted world of social media to what God can do and does within us uh, if we allow him. And, and more importantly, when we allow him to do that stuff, we can, we can build out our faith. 
um, and hold on to him and allow him to, to reset that, that crooked and broken foundation that, that is in every single one of us. Our foundations, our, our personal life foundations, our beliefs and our values and all that can, can show the twisted realities of our own lives. Um, when, when circumstances in, life's, in, in life happens, and it gets really hard, it, it magnifies, it allows us to see what's really valuable to us and what's really messed up and what's really wrong. Um, and we, we begin to be rocked by these tremendous waves that surround us, and it's hard to know what to do. So today I want to share you, with you guys a tool that, that we, we probably all have heard about and, and that I've learned to use really extensively over the last couple of years. Uh, it's a tool that to use when, when the seas of life get really tumultuous and when God allows uh, us to not just look at the weaknesses in our own foundations with him, but wants us to be brought down to the bedrock so he can rebuild. And that's really hard. And what this tool does is helps us in that time of that scraping away. This tool is really simple yet powerful. And I found it to be a game changer. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This, this verse is talking about how we have hope in Christ and that, that hope that we have is because of Christ. When we trust him and surrender our lives to him, he makes a way for us to be connected back to God as a father. When we have that hope, it's, that's established and founded in him, no matter what happens, that he can be the anchor for our souls. That he steadies us when our foundations have been rocked by a gigantic earthquake. That we are firm and secure in him. That we can rest in that. That sounds really good, that we can just rest in him. It's really hard. It's really hard when your life is in shambles. Just rest in the Lord. Just rest in him. Just a nice warm blanket. Just rest. Come on. Not when like, you're looking down the end of a, a barrel of a gun that you just feel like your life is about over. It's hard to rest in him in that point. So what do we do? What do we do when, when life is just social media discussion topics that is, they're just a mess and get lost in it all and we want to throw our phones and computers in the lake and become a hermit? Sometimes we do. Because it's a lot easier to run and hide than face and fight. When God allows hard circumstances to sift through his hands for our good, like the story of Job, or our sin causes us to face the consequences of our choices and decisions, and we're thrown about, we have some options in how to hold on to this anchor that is Christ. First thing is repent if we need to, and ask forgiveness for our sin. Second is to worship in the word and music and in serving. The third thing is prayer, whether it's alone or with others. And the fourth thing is thanksgiving, but not to be a glutton like we're going to be in a couple weeks, but to just profess with our mouth what we're thankful for and, and think about that stuff. These are often the most trusted and used ones across denominational lines. And, and I want to offer another one that in my experience has flipped everything upside down for me. Uh, and this other one encompasses all four, and, and it's, it's communion. Um, it's the Eucharist. The Catholic Church does it daily in a Mass. Um, and, and I learned a lot about it when I got kicked out of my chapel tent uh, by a Catholic priest every single day at 8 o'clock 
and he booted me out so that he could do his mass, and I got really annoyed a lot. But then I thought, there must be something to this if they've been doing this for hundreds of years. And so I was able to sit in it. I wasn't able to partake, but I was able to learn a little bit from it. I always thought that the body and the blood, the cup and the bread, or the, the, the cracker and the grape juice in our tradition was, was always about covering my sin. And, and I was always just laser-focused on getting my heart right uh, before God in communion, which is appropriate. Um, and I would hold that little cup of grape juice in my hand and make sure I asked for forgiveness for, for, for every sin, even though I probably asked for it a thousand times before that. But I want to do it just in case. And I sat and quieted my soul before God, which is necessary in our lives. And it was heartfelt, but it was very, very religious. So what I want to walk with you guys with today is how communion can be far different than, than I think we ever anticipated. I know that I did. And how it's more than something than, it's more than something that we do on one Sunday a month. And the power that communion has to change our lives and not just help us hold on for dear life in the roughest seas, but, but to learn to enjoy riding the waves while it's going on, which is a really hard lesson to learn. The primary purpose of communion is to remember and to proclaim. What do we need to remember? Why do we need to remember? What do we proclaim? How do we remember? And what do we do with all this stuff? So those first three questions we're going to answer, I hope, right now. Right. So there are a few scriptures that we go to every time we, t- we, we take communion. And, and the ones we always hear when we participate as a group. Luke 22, 19, and 20. Uh, Matthew 26, 28. And then 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 26. And so these are all instructional uh, and, and important pieces of scripture into how and some of the why we take part together. Uh, but also that we should do it individually and even with, within your home, with your families. But let's go back to the Old Testament and look at what sets all this up for us. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, uh, talking about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and, and familiar with pain, like, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we're healed. These couple of statements are prophetic statements uh, of what will happen, what did happen to Jesus that was completely our benefit. And there's something in there in verse 3 that talks about Jesus in a way that, that I think we don't like is really uncomfortable. He was despised and rejected. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain, and he had an intimate knowledge with grief. That word for, for pain and grief uh, in the Hebrew is, is koli, and it translates far beyond the word for grief in our, our language uh, because it's a much richer language than, than ours. Ours is primarily utilitarian. And... <clears throat> What that word translates to, that word grief, translates to sickness, disease, sadness, to being worn down, anxiety, malady, calamity, and affliction. Jesus was acquainted with sadness, exhaustion, 
and anxiety. I've never thought of that. He is fully God and fully human. We forget that second part. I mean, just think about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying just before he was to be crucified. He was sweating drops of blood. If you can take this cup from me, do it. He didn't want to do it initially. He was full of anxiety with it because of the weight of it. And he chose joy. He pursued peace, and it came from meeting with God. Communion with him, if you will. See what I did there? Um, He took upon our sickness, our disease, our sadness, our worn downness. He took upon our pain and our suffering, and he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. His punishment for us brought us peace, and by his wounds we're healed. But we're not just healed from sin. We're not just healed from the black, putrid garbage that separates us from God, but we're healed from sickness and disease and sadness and exhaustion and broken hardness and a broken spirit. He restores us through his sacrifice, and when we participate in communion, this is what we're saying. I remember what you did. I remember your sacrifice. I remember that you did this for me. That by your blood I am cleansed, but also by your stripes I am healed. I remember. I remember your sacrifice was, if it could be, more than just saving me from hell. But I remember you are in the process of delivering me to wholeness. And that is only available through you. We're proclaiming that. When we remember, when we participate, when we take communion publicly and privately... We are tying an action to our words, our thoughts, and telling our feelings at times that the reality of the gospel is greater than our emotional turmoil that is temporary. Jesus wants to restore our emotional and mental health as much as he does our physical and spiritual health. We are holistic beings. He made us that way, and he knows what we need. So we're proclaiming that truth that Christ has overcome in every aspect of eternity and the human experience. We're believing and stepping out in faith that, faith that this whole thing of the cross is more than just some fire insurance. The cross is more powerful than what the enemy does to mess with the hearts and minds and circumstances for all of us. And when we participate, the enemy cannot stay. He was reminded of the power of the cross. And that we hold that power because of Christ. That combined with the presence of the Holy Spirit can change the game in an instant, and it does. Still with me? Good? All right. So how do we remember? The thing of remembrance is all throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. There were markers used throughout the Old Testament uh, in various stories of God's faithfulness. And, And when the Israelites crossed the Jordan, they put up, Put up a pile of rocks to remember. So when they crossed back through there, remember what, that's what happened there. And they would tell the story. They would count it. When God saved Jacob from his brother Esau, big pile of rocks. When God gave Moses the, the, the Ten Commands, probably a really big pile of rocks. And these were all set in place so that people would, when they circled back or they would pass by, they'd remember God's faithfulness. And they'd remember that he had been there with them before. 
that this isn't new, that this life isn't new, these crazy paths that he takes us on aren't new. But they were reminders that we can count on him again and again and again. But they were also to remember to praise him for what's been done before, even without knowing what he's going to do next. And even more importantly, to praise him for what he's doing now, even though we have no idea what it is. That's faith. The place of taking communion, when we do it, is, is, is just that. It, it, it allows us to circle back around to see what Christ did, but also to take notice in our own lives and help us refocus. It's important that we intentionally circle back. Not just in times where life is crazy, but even more importantly, I think, when life is smooth. It also gives us an opportunity to live in the hopeful expectation that he is doing something, we just don't know it. We can't see it. We might not even be able to feel it or feel his presence, but, but it reminds us that he's there and that he's with us. All we know is that we're holding on and we see the craziness going on all around us, but trusting that he is up to something. And we are inviting the cross into everything when we respond this way. Communion isn't just something that we do here and there either. It, it, it isn't something that we should take lightly by any means, but also not just a special occasion. It's a practice no different than prayer. It's a practice no different than thanksgiving and singing praises and studying the Bible. It should be done with consistency. It's a part of all that, and it also encompasses all that, and it's truly a celebration. If we begin to do this and we shift our perspective a little bit uh, from, from like the one that I had for so stinking long, and that, that perspective that is super introspective and very focused on me, continuing to confess my sins and my shortcomings, which is insanely important, to a perspective and place of understanding that, that God throughout all this is up to something more. Jesus set up communion to help us remember and remind us that his sacrifice was more than just covering our sin. Like everything, he's in the business of rest, restoring, uh, restoring the lives he intended for us when he dreamed us up and knit us together in our mother's wombs. He's in the business of restoring everything that Satan stole, destroyed, and killed in our lives. Book of Revelation talks about how we overcome everything by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And we've got that blood part down, I think, pretty good most of the time. And we didn't have to do anything with that, but we just have to remember what God has done in each of our lives and share that and sometimes annoy people with sharing it to remind them and to remind us It's a planting of a seed, a seed of remembrance for someone else, like, oh, oh, that guy made it through this. We, we read this, this 2,000 and some odd year old book about these guys who were fishermen and carpenters, and we remember what they went through, and that is something important. We're still reading, but we're talking about it every single Sunday across the world. We're still talking about it. There's something to this stuff. 
Not sure if you picked that up yet. It encourages us, and it encourages our, our friends when we, when we share with them what God is doing in our own lives. And it's not gloating, but it's showing them how much we need him and how big he is. He's making all things new, and he's working out all things for our good. And every single one of those things started when he was nailed to the cross, and every one of our hopes needs to be rooted and established at the foot of the cross. Without that, without clinging to the cross, this is all just emptiness. Just like someone's Instagram with a bunch of selfies. Just empty, and they're hurting, and we're hurting. So what do we do with all this? Time for some application. We practice it. This isn't something that is new. It's been done a long time, and it's not something that we will do forever. It is something that we can become better at, more responsive in, and it's not something that we need to be afraid of. We're encouraged to approach his throne of grace with confidence, and this is one of those ways. This is a huge way for us to do that. This is a way that, we're, that, that, that Jesus empowered us to do by displaying it for us first. It starts with thanksgiving. That word Eucharist, the root of that is, is the Greek word Eucharisteo, uh, which is a word that means thanksgiving and gratitude and thankfulness. Jesus used that specific word only a couple times throughout the New Testament and primarily around stories where he broke bread, shared a meal, and especially those, those times where he told us how to do communion, how to relate with God in that way. Recount what you're thankful for. Tell God what you're thankful for. Write it down so you can go back and look at it again. Practice that. Thank him for his body that was broken for you. Thank him for his blood that was shed to wash you clean and to cover your sin. Move into repentance. Turn from your sin. Turn from all of our sin. And do it a thousand times if you need to. Turn from it and mean it. Ask for the Father's forgiveness that's only available through Jesus, and he made a way for us. Confess your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask the Holy Spirit to forgive. Ask the person you sinned against to forgive you, which is a hard one. Forgive yourself, but also forgive others. And be restored. Seek his restoration of your life. Ask that he restore your life to his original intent. How far off do we get sometimes? By our choices, by our stupidity, by our selfishness, but also by circumstance. Ask him to give you vision for what he made you for. He didn't just make you on accident. Ask him to build back up what has been destroyed, to quiet your mind, to bring peace to your anxious thoughts, to give rest to your soul, to calm the raging seas that have been battering you for a long time. Ask him to give back in his way, in his time, all that he wishes to give back and all that was stolen. Ask him to move in ways you're scared for him to move. Ways that make you uncomfortable. 
ways that will cause you to hold on tighter and truly live. The cross and communion can give us courage we never knew we needed and we didn't know was available. Remember and remind. Remember his promises from his word, but also any promises that he has given you personally. Trevor, you guys can come back up. Remember that stuff and remind him of that. Let him know that, that you trust him and you're leaving him in control. Eat that bread and drink that cup. You can buy them on Amazon. Little cups with a little wafer, all in one little package. You can buy them up to a 1,000 at a time. Buy it. Feast on his goodness. Drink in his cleansing. And it will change you in ways that you never knew you needed to be changed. It will empower you in ways that you never knew you could be empowered when you are being railed on. It will steady your mind and your heart in an instant. One last thing. One last thing that we need to remember. Jesus shared communion with the man who turned on him. He shared communion with Judas who sent him to die for us. Who set it all up for some silver. He served him his body and his blood. He knew full well what Judas was up to, yet he offered him to participate don't be scared to come to the table. Don't be scared to embrace God where he is in all this. But know that he does require you to trust him to receive it. That's part of it. But his grace is pretty huge. Don't be afraid, but walk into this with us if you believe and trust him. Communion has changed my life in ways that I never thought I did it. I started it because I was grabbing on to a, a life vest, grabbing on to a, one of those circle things that lifeguards use. And I had no idea what I was getting into, but it changed everything. It changed everything. And it's not about just changing the circumstances. It's about that drawing near to God, and this allows us to do that in a way that, that I never knew was available. And so I just want to just leave that with you guys and just challenge you to, to look at that and do it and learn, learn from our Catholic brothers and sisters because they've been doing it for a long time. But what's your heart in it? And uh, yeah, so I just want to leave you with that challenge. Thank you. Awesome thought, Adam. Thank you. I'm going to ask the guys.